What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the hump day edition of the yard, man, the days all run together when you work every day, which is the case for me. I love it. I'm not complaining, but uh, yeah, I work every day. I've been working two jobs as of late, but uh, yeah, thanks so much, man, for your support. Uh, it's been a busy day. Been a really, really busy day. You know, we had a huge day on campus yesterday. We're going to break down the uh, sporting events of yesterday. But today's been busy doing a little research, trying to track some things down for the new book, uh, The Dude, that we're working on. About three chapters in. It'll come in somewhere around 22, 23 chapters. But, uh, yeah, trying to get uh, a chapter a week done. And um, I am now in possession of Duty Noble's college transcript. Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to have. And so we'll uh, add some more detail to some of our chapters. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. Things are going well. I mean, they really are. I'm really proud of the work so far. Eager for you guys to read it. The other day I wrote a chapter, uh, chapter three. It's called Becoming the Dude. When he earned the name Duty Noble. And uh, I explained the story of how the name Dude became Duty. He wasn't duty noble until he was a student at Mississippi State. And this is a couple years into his uh, time at State. Before that, he was Randolph. Then he had another nickname through football. They got retired. And so, and I'm writing that chapter. It's like I began to think about what it would mean to all of you and what it means to Mississippi State and for the historical nature of all this stuff. And uh, I got chills, man. I did. The hair on my arm stood up, what little there is. And uh, after I got done, I had to get up and call my wife and just kind of take a break. I mean, this is a very important book for me, but also for all of you. And, man, I've really enjoyed every aspect of this. I'm the kind of person, when I make a commitment to you or to Dana or to anybody like that, it's something that is very, 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 very important to me. My word is important. And so when I put out, hey, let's write a biography of Duty Noble, it's, it's really a commitment. It's not say, hey, I'm looking into this. No, like I, by the time I said it, I was committed. 
And now that we're deep in this process, I'm really glad that I have. Because I don't know, if I, if I don't write this book, it's not getting written. Let's just kind of call it for what it is. That's not being arrogant or narcissistic. If I don't write it, it's not getting written. Because of the fact that, uh, number one, it's so difficult to find these things. It takes a tremendous amount of research. But also, to who else has the interest and the following to write this book? And uh, I've had so many great conversations with members of the family. And uh, they're so incredibly grateful that we're working on this. But uh, while it's my name on the book, it's our story. It's my honor to write it. And it seems like every day I learn something new that we can add uh, to the book about Mississippi State's most decorated student athlete. Also became a coach, an administrator, and in many respects the identity of Mississippi State Athletics. I submit to you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm writing it, there's probably never been a book written about Mississippi State Athletics more important than this one. So we'll have a few months from now, a couple months from now, we'll, have, uh, we'll set it up for pre-orders. And again, the book will expect to be out late August, early September. And uh, we're excited about it, man. It's been, uh, it's been incredible. One of the coolest things, though, working through this process, is uh, one of the, a member of the family said, hey, Steve, well, number one, thanks for doing this. This probably should have been written 50 years ago. And for some reason it wasn't, but now the time is right. So we're writing this book, and I'm thrilled, thrilled beyond measure. But the number two thing he goes, you know, Steve, I've been in contact with, with more of my cousins here in the last few weeks than I have been in years. That's an incredible thing, too. That's something that, um, you know, it won't pay my mortgage, but it means a lot to me. It does. To be able to make that family feel special, talking about their Uncle Duty. It's a special, special thing. It really is. But, uh, yeah, some things are coming together, and that's one of those things I didn't think I'd have. You know, it's so funny. It's like there's all these conflicting material out there. There's a lot of conflicting accounts about Duty Noble, and there's not a ton of information out there available about him. You have to really dig. But as far as, like, you know, going and looking at a Wikipedia page or doing a Google search or whatever, I mean, everything comes up basically is about the stadium. But not a lot about the man or the student or the ball player, the coach, the athlete, the administrator. There's not a lot out there unless you're really willing to dig. And so that's been my job, my honor, my responsibility in my era to be able to go dig these things up. And uh, I got to say, I'm very proud of the work so far. There was a time, uh, a couple of interviews out before. It was a couple of interviews that I did that really made a difference to me. I felt like, hey, we've got the makings of a good book here. And then after a couple of interviews with some, uh, some family members, and I've interviewed several of them, I think we've gone from this being a good book to a great book. And uh, I'm so incredibly grateful for the, uh, the permission and the cooperation of the Noble family. And every time I turn around, there's always somebody messaging me saying, Steve, I can't wait to read this. Well, guys, I'm having a blast writing it. And uh, I'm probably going to take a bit of a break after this one. And, uh, and I say that, you know, it's, it's really just more for my own mental well-being because uh, I've been so prolific here in the last several years. This is book number seven, but they've all come in pretty quick succession. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to disappear or be reclusive or, or go all Shelby foot on you guys. But, uh, but, I, but I'm, I'm probably going to take a little time to just simply enjoy the dude. When I wrote When the Bottom Falls, 
I immediately, as soon as the book is out, like I'm already beginning to work on the dude. And so I haven't really had a big break in that respect. And so I'm probably going to take maybe a year off when it comes to, uh, to writing books. We'll see. I mean, because you know, I get bored after a while. I get cabin fever. And especially with Dana running a spa these days, you know, a lot of times it's just me and the dogs here. and We just kind of sit around and look at each other. And so I need things to do. And uh, Mojo, my blue healer, that uh, you've heard on the show sometimes, me have to chastise her. Uh, she's helped me write these books and laid at my feet and done that. And so she may decide that, hey, we need to write another book, Steve. But, um, but yeah, this one, the research component to this is uh, much different than what I've done in the past. You know, when I've written Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, you know, the fact checking is a big part of that. But this one is uh, probably even more so just because of the fact that you, know, you have to confirm so many things. And to give you an example of that, if you look at the Wikipedia page of Duty Noble, it says that his playing career was 1911 to 1915. That's incorrect. If you look at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame plaque, it says his playing career was 1910 to 1915. That's also incorrect. And so I've had to kind of dig down deep and do some research here to find the actual date. So we're going to correct the record. And you know what happens, right? I mean, it's like once you document all this stuff, that becomes the written record of events. And so you have to be very, very careful what you do and how you say it. And you got to make sure you drill down all the details. And so a big, big development today, uh, getting the actual transcript uh, from Duty Noble. The, the grades are redacted, and you don't need to know that anyway. But you know the courses that he took and when he enrolled and graduated and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff is not public, but it's about to be. I'm going to do what I can to... Uh, to share everything I can. We won't get everything. I mean, we're going to try. But a lot of those great stories are tucked away, man, and, um, you know, in the minds of people that can't recall them. And other stories, of course, have uh, passed along with him. And so, but I'm very proud of what we've been able to put together so far. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much, so much for your belief in me. Now, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors for the show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You do too. And if you don't, you should. Next time you're in town, go by and see them. There are three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go in, have the spring rolls as your appetizer, and you'll see on the menu it's in writing. They'll make you better looking. It's true. And everybody around you, it's true. Have a great restaurant, quality hamburger. I'm probably going to surprise the wife with Bulldog Burger Company for dinner. Uh, you know, she's working. But uh, I'm going to probably go get some food and bring to her as a surprise because I am that guy. I, I love my wife. I don't know how you feel about yours, but I do. I like to surprise her and do nice things for her. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm going to get her favorites from Bulldog Burger Company and bring them to her. And that will probably be dinner and lunch because the portions are so substantial at Bulldog Burger Company. A lot of people post-COVID world charging you more and giving you less. Not the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Get that chocolate shake to go. You could ride that ride home with a smile, maybe even get that bread pudding to go and put it in the fridge. And so when you get that, uh, that midnight craving, you get up and go eat that too. Have that nice palate cleanser before you drift off to sleep. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. Um, I talked to some people this morning. And they're like, you know, Steve, I'm just devastated about the basketball game. I, I am too. I, I am too. Because I really thought we had it. I really did. I know you did too. And to lose in a manner in which we did, 
it's just disheartening, right? Because we showed up and we played. And uh, give Chris Jans and the staff a lot of credit for having a great game plan because, guys, when we played them in Lexington, they beat us by 13. But let's be honest, the margin of that game was not truly indicative of how we were playing at the time and they were playing at the time. We're playing much better. And we got this game at home and we should have won. And, uh, again, tip of the cap to everybody that attended an absolutely amazing atmosphere. And listen, let's be honest about this too, okay? And I know some people out there, there's going to be some of our basketball people that say, but Steve, you shouldn't say that. It's true. And there's going to be some of our bandwagon basketball fans. They're not going to like it, but it's true. We are very fair weather when it comes to basketball, ideally. But uh, this year, our people have shown up. And then here you are on a Tuesday night, coming out when Mississippi State needs you when your players need you. And you came out there and you created an incredible home court advantage. And we're not done. And uh, as I've read to some people like, well, that's it. We're going to the NIT. Stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There's no way a two-point loss to Kentucky is going to be the make-or-break game for us to get in the tournament. Kentucky 20-8 and eight and uh, State 19-9. and nine. We're 8-7. and seven. They're 10-5 and five in the Southeastern Conference. But uh, – Man, we're up a dozen at the break, and it really feels like we're going to do it. And what do you do? Right out of the gate, we come out, and it's a four-point play for Josh Hubbard, who has been absolutely amazing for Mississippi State. That's your SEC freshman year. And I think last night probably clinched it. Just my opinion. Maybe, 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 maybe maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I think Josh probably clinched it. Now, we can't just go, you know, can't disappear in these final games. But I think Josh Hubbard is, is playing at such a level right now. I'm, I'm going to say it for what it is, and it's not a hot take out there, but Josh Hubbard's our best player. Josh Hubbard is the straw that stirs the Bulldog drink. Tolu's having a good year too, don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting him. But Josh Hubbard has made us a different team, period. He's made Tolu's job that much easier. Tolu's a guy that can carry it down late for us, and we need to go out and get in the post and go to war with people. He can do it for us. But the fact that Josh Hubbard can force people to be honest and have to get out and defend the perimeter has changed this team. And I don't know that this team isn't capable of getting this Sweet 16. I think we are. It depends on the matchups. depends on the draw. We need to find a way to get out of the 8-9 game. We do. But you let Mississippi State be a 7 seed somewhere, I think there's a good chance Mississippi State's going to be in the second week in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, down the stretch there, it, it really felt like, man, there was a part of me, I was like, you know what, this, this is going to go exactly the way we need it to go. Because every time, it just seemed like every time that um, we needed to make a basket, we could. But defensively in the second half, there were times I thought the moment got a little bit too big for us. That would be fair. Tennessee's a great team. Tennessee, excuse me, Kentucky, Tennessee's a great team, but we played Kentucky. Kentucky's a great team. And at some point, talent shows up. But guys, you look up there, just two minutes into the second half, and State's up 13. 52-39, and you start thinking, man, this crowd is going to will this game along. I thought Kentucky did a good job kind of changing the tempo. They really don't want to match up with us in the half court because we defend so relentlessly. And you could tell they really picked the tempo up. They did not want him to get into a half court war with us. And we're trying to slow the ball down, eat up some clock, 
make them play basketball. And I think at times they out-athleted us again. I know John Calipari said in postgame, I mean, he didn't want to see us again. And I get it. I get it. I think a lot of it, too, is if you were to go out there and pick players, like if you honestly, let's say you just put, let's put our group together and their group together and everybody had tryouts. When you got ready to pick your team, more times than not, you're probably going to pick more Kentucky players because they have the look, length, and talent that you want. And I think that speaks well to this coaching staff. We're not as talented as Kentucky, but then we should have beaten Kentucky. And give them credit. When the game was on the line, their talent showed up. We get a foul on Cam Matthews. The next thing you know, they make a couple free throws. It's down to 11. We miss a three-pointer. You make that one. Maybe it's a different conversation today. They get loose and get a heave. And we went through a stretch where we just couldn't score. It's like we kind of fell in love with the three-point shot because we had hit it with such proficiency throughout the ball game. We missed three consecutive three-point baskets. The next thing you know, that 13-point lead is down to seven. And then for a while there, you know, we're both kind of missing baskets. And Hubbard misses another one. And listen, you want him to shoot. You want him to shoot. You do. He's your dude. Finally, Deshaun Davis gets loose and uh, gets it back up to nine. And right here I'm thinking, well, maybe we've weathered the storm a little bit because we've got to stop after that. We got to stop, get the ball back, and got a chance to push it to double digits there, you know, right at the under, you know, under 14 timeout there. But um, we miss a jumper. But uh, again, both teams kind of trading some empty possessions here, and then State does get it back out to double digits to 11. And again, I begin to think, okay, here we are, here we are at home. Capacity crowd, the students are there. They're they're doing a great job. They're being respectful, but being rowdy. We always want to be respectfully rowdy. <clears throat> and our students have really showed up this year. They, they have. But right here I'm thinking, you know what? Hey, guys, there's just over 12 minutes to go in this game. I think we're going to be okay. We just got to make some shots and get a few stops here and there, and we're okay. Let's just kind of nurse this lead along. Shot in the paint there makes it nine by Shepard. And um, next thing you know, man, this thing is down to six. Josh Hubbard answered, pushed it back out to eight. But they're just kind of whittling away and whittling away and whittling away. And uh, when you're the team that's doing the chasing, you just need your, the team you're chasing to have an empty possession. And we simply had too many of those down the stretch here. Uh, you look up there, you know, right at a 10-minute mark, status pushed you back up four after a nice basket from Tolu Smith. Under nine minutes, it's down to two. And you knew here, we're going to have to step up. Maybe we need a big shot by Josh. We need something in N1. We need something big to happen. And not much really did. Reed Shepard with a three cuts it down to one. And then State just kind of nurses it along a little bit. You know, we're in it, we're in it, we're in it. And then finally, with 424 to go, Rob Dillingham rams home with three for them. And then Cam turns it over. They immediately go down and get the uh, get the heave there to put themselves up three. We could have folded right here, but we didn't. We didn't. Totally gets a basket inside at the three-minute mark, cuts it down to a one-point game. They go down. Dillingham again pushes it up and in. It's 76-73. 
Shaquille Moore with a couple free throws makes it a one-point game, and you're thinking, okay, we just need a stop. We just need a stop. Instead, Shepard with another basket pushes it up three, and then we immediately turn it over. They take it out to five. And at this point, I think we all felt like we knew how this thing is going to go. And that's the way that it went. You know, the foul on Shaquille Moore turns into an N1 situation. We're down six here with a minute. And then Shaquille tries a little measure of redemption there. Uh, shoots a three-point basket. It's not good. It gets tipped, deflected. We end up fouling. They go to the line. It's now an eight-point game with under a minute to go. But Josh Hubbard refused to go quietly, knocks down the big three. They take it back out to seven. And, again, I'm, I'm thinking the game is over. And then Hubbard again is like, no, 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 we're not going yet. We're not giving up. Now it's a four-point game at 85-81. We end up having a foul. They make both free throws, and uh, we get a ba- basket in transition to cut it back down to four. But, again, it's, it's a very frenetic pace here under 30 seconds. Cam makes the N1, and uh, it's a three-point game. And, again, you just got to get a stop. And then they turn it over, so we get the big play we need. Tolu with the steal. They foul. Tolu makes them both. Now it's a one-point game. And that's the thing that I'll say about this team. We may quit on them. They're not quitting on us. They're not quitting on each other. No matter the circumstances, this team and this staff acquitted themselves well. Reed Shepard knocked down a couple of free throws to make it at a three-point game. And again, Josh Hubbard again. As hot as a Saturday night special pistol, man. Hits another big three with 10 seconds to go. And now we're thinking we just got to get a stop to get to overtime. And it's a buzzer-beating shot. Guys, our team deserve better. Our fans deserve better. Our crowd deserve better. Our players deserve better. Our coaches, everybody involved in Mississippi State better, deserve to win that game last night. But Kentucky made one more shot than we did. That proved to be the difference. And it's brutal, man. It does. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever.
Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Because how many times have we had those guys up here, no matter who the coach was here or there, and things just don't go the way they should? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't expect us to play it as tight as we did. thought it would be better because we were at home, and we are playing better these days. But, uh, again, the, you know, the, the longest winning streak in the SEC now snapped in five games. But no matter the outcome, I think you've got to be encouraged about what's to come. You start working this thing through and start thinking, you know what? We're 19-9, and and, uh, we have an opportunity to get to 20-plus wins. And I think if you can get two down the stretch here, that's going to be tough. But, I mean, I think we're capable. I think when Mississippi State plays within itself and doesn't get in foul trouble, we're capable of playing with just about anybody in the country. I think we showed that again last night. I think there are a lot of people around the country that may be wondering, well, I wonder how good this Mississippi State team really is. And I think last night, even in a loss, we answered that. I'm not, not a believer in, in moral losses, but I'm not in any way disappointed in this team. I'm disappointed we didn't win, 
but I'm not disappointed in our effort. I'm not disappointed in the game plan that we had. I mean, goodness, offensively, we just kind of found some things here. Guys, we, the last three ball games, we're 80-plus points offensively. And we got a big ball game coming up Saturday at Auburn. That's an even more talented team. But we, and then the fact that we beat them earlier this year, maybe that gives us some confidence, but it also gives them a little bit of the revenge factor too. That's going to be tough. I, I think there's a probably a good chance we're going to lose that game. And we'll talk about that more on Friday. But then you start thinking about next week, can we go to A&M and win? Yes, we can. Can we beat South Carolina in our gym? Yes, we can. Are those going to be easy? No, they're not. They absolutely are not. But I feel good about our basketball program, our basketball team. And, uh, of course, hey, we're going to lose a lot you know, at the end of this year. We've got to enjoy this. You never know what the roster is going to look like next year. But, um, again, for those of you that turned out, was it 9,300 of you? You did a great job. You did a great job. You were there when Mississippi State basketball needed you. And uh, you are to be commended for that. All right, let's take a quick look uh, kind of around the league here. As you guys know, every game matters at this point. We're scoreboard watching just like everybody else because we, you know, we need some things to go our way. You know, we're going to take care of our, our thing as best we can, but we got to get other people to do their part. Uh, Georgia nearly pulls off the win at LSU. Neither one of those teams are ranked, but um, maybe a better effort from Georgia than we expected. But LSU wins 67-66. And how about Vanderbilt going up to Bud Walton Arena and coming home with a dub, 85-82 winners. Man, it's been a nightmare in Fayetteville. They love basketball. And, and I, you know, they win those two championships under Bill Clinton and Owen Richardson. They did. You know, that, that was the big thing. You know, Scotty Thurman, Corliss Williams and those guys. What a great teams they were. But there, there's Arkansas fans expect to be good at basketball. They do. And uh, they will turn out and come watch this team play. I cannot begin to imagine how bad this loss hurts that fan base. A lot of calls from Musselman to be fired. All these rumors and innuendo about what's happened in the locker room and off the court with these guys and uh, that he may have lost the team. You don't help yourself when you lose to Vanderbilt, a team that had only won two SEC games coming into the night. Not good. Look ahead to tonight's action. Uh, I know many of you will be watching, and you'll still be smarting after last night's game to get so close, right? All right, Missouri's at Florida. you got to like Florida. They're playing pretty well. Missouri hadn't won a game. Auburn's at Tennessee. That, that's going to be an absolute monster of a game. I, I'm eager to see this one. That's a 6 p.m. tip on ESPN2. South Carolina's at a and I, I think we want South Carolina to go in there and win that game. I, you know, I don't want A&M to have anything to feel good about when we get there. And Alabama's at Ole Miss. That could be a good one, too. But it seems like the bloom is kind of off the road for Chris Beard and Ole Miss right now. Again, give him credit for scheduling some wins in a non-conference, but I don't know that it fully prepared them. And I remember so many of our fans are freaking out. Steve, we can't let them be good at basketball, too. You know, well, here we are. I think it's pretty safe to say Mississippi State in a much healthier situation right now than Ole Miss basketball is. But it's year one for Chris Beard. I saw something the other day. People said, oh, he's not going to stay there. Uh, you know, I suspect he will, for a little while anyway. But all of a sudden, you look back, you know, this old mystic. People were so excited about this. But, you know, th- they have not played well as of late. 
I mean, you go back and look. I mean, you, you get drilled by Auburn. You get beat by South Carolina. You get beat pretty good by Kentucky. They get Mizzou in a barn burner of a game by three, lose to State by a dozen, and then get beat at home by South Carolina by 13. And then they get Alabama tonight. And so, you know, hey, closing this thing out is not going to be easy. Probably NIT when it's all said and done, unless something crazy happens. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Sure is. But State, you know, really right there in the middle of the pack, you know, a little separation between us and uh, some teams behind us. But, um, you know, LSU still kind of you know, trying to gain ground here. You start looking at Ole Miss at 6-8, and eight, probably 6-9 and nine after tonight. A&M could potentially be 6-9 and nine as well. So it looks like State's going to have a chance to really have some upward mobility without a lot of teams, you know, with the possibility of catching them. Oh, LSU right behind us a little bit. But, uh, yeah, interesting. But uh, this Arkansas team, goodness gracious, man, 14 and 14 overall, 5 and 10 in, in the conference. And they lose to an 8 and 20 Vanderbilt team. Absolutely terrible. Let's take a quick look back at the numbers last night. We talked a little bit about Josh Hubbard and how well that he played. And um, the thing that I think about, you know, defensively, and yes, it was a high-scoring game. Don't get me wrong. But there, there comes sometimes that uh, we do a really good job taking a possession. Like, we'll, we'll take charge with our length and our relentlessness, our tenacity on defense at big moments and get the stop we need. We just didn't get enough last night. I think that's fair to say. But uh, I just – it sucks to come so close and not get it done because you know what that would have meant for us. You know what it would have meant for this season and really for this program in many respects, be a signature win. Of course, you've had a couple of good ones. You know, you beat Auburn and Tennessee, but all of a sudden you find a way to beat Kentucky. Things are even better, right? You don't need me to say on that point. You already know that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it stinks to get that close and then not get it done, especially with Hubbard's heroics late to keep the possibility alive. And then we just simply couldn't get it done. I mean, it just – it stinks. It does. But that's competition. You win some, you lose some. But it's so great to be playing meaningful basketball at this time of the year. We're in a much better situation than we were even a year ago when we made the tournament. Not just from a resume standpoint, but I just think the health of this program is better. We're not having to do it with so much smoke and mirrors. We've got some talent. Uh, Reed Shepard's the one that killed us from Kentucky last night, 32 minutes, excuse me, 32 points in 35 minutes, and he was electric from the field, 11 of 14, 4 of 7 from beyond the arc, knocked down all six of his free throws. That's a career-type night for sure. Antonio Reeves pitches in 21. I do Therio with 11, and uh, DJ Wagner with 10. Uh, Rob Dillingham with nine big points for them off the bench. But uh, on the Mississippi State side of things, 34 points from Josh Hubbard. Uh, Tolu Smith with 21. Tolu with a double-double last night. Ten boards. Shaquille Moore, solid stat line for him. Never hit a three, but uh, ten points for him. We really needed a third score. I think Shaquille kept us in the ball game. Again, it just boils down to one or two possessions, right? I mean, that's what happens. It's not like you look at this and there's some glaring omission from the box score and say, hey, this guy didn't show up. That's not the case. Every one of these guys showed up and played hard for us. Cam Matthews, 26 minutes, seven points. 
Sean Jones Jr., who's done some great work defensively for State, 25 minutes for him, three points, just a couple of boards. But um, I don't know that his contributions can be quantified in the box score. Kishon Murphy, not a big game for him, but this guy's, again, getting some big minutes for State. Six rebounds last night, three assists to go along with six points and just 15 minutes of action. like to see him get a little bit more, right? Uh, DJ Jeffries, you know, he's still kind of working his way back. 14 minutes last night, six points. And uh, Deshaun Davis, the basket he had was very, very significant. Uh, Jimmy Bell, just five minutes of action for him. And a lot of that, too, is just, you know, Tolu is the guy that kind of makes it happen down low. And Jimmy's the guy that signed on to come in here and be, be the backup, and that's what he is. Still, we're, there's no clue where we'd be this year without Jimmy Bell, though. Incredible contribution. But, uh, again, it's heartbreaking. The game was tied twice, and the lead changed hands once. It makes it worse, doesn't it? It really does. It'd be one thing if it was a back-and-forth game all along and they just happened to finish the game on, you know, on their run. But the reality of it is is uh, we didn't get it done, but I'm in no way disappointed today with our people. And um, I think we're going to surprise some people down the stretch. I really do. It's an exciting time uh, for Mississippi State men's basketball. So be sure and uh, be here when we get ready to play ball again. Run out of games, but uh, again, I, I think no matter how this thing breaks out down the stretch, I think that we're going to be be really pleased with the direction of things. All right, time for today's top ten list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R.com. Blair's a mortgage professional, guys. A lot of people out there in the mortgage industry, Blair has been there for twenty three years back to back to back years top one percent close ratio in the country recently made the move to priority one mortgage the same level of service accompanies him give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344 601-500-2344 it goes directly to him you can call or text today yeah that's right Blair is one of us. He's got a place in Starkville. He is a season ticket holder in multiple sports. It's a guy that knows how to get things done. I like to keep business in the family whenever we can. I truly do. And so I encourage you to let Blair go to work for you. Many of you have thought about one day I'd love to have a game day condo in Starkville. Or maybe you cheer for another team and you just listen to my show because you're obsessed with me. I don't know. But no matter what you're looking for, Blair can get you to the closing table before many other people can. So check him out at his website, CloseToBlair.com. And uh, mention to him you heard about him on the Boneyard. We've had several Boneyard listeners get loans closed through Blair. Thus, close with Blair. There's nothing better than buying a home. It's true. It's true. Blair can make your dream reality. All right. We had a uh, Twitter submission from DC Baller. I believe that's correct. Let me double check that. Uh, as I send Roy is uh, Roy, uh, you know, gets those things. Play Baller DC. Let me get that correct. Play Baller DC says, and I li- I love this submission. My favorite band of all time is Toto. So my favorite guitar player of all time is Steve Lukather, and he is the guitar player's guitar player. We talk about tone, tone. I don't know that anybody is more of a master of tone than Steve Lukather, and I think his resume reflects that. 
As play baller DC goes on, he's probably played on more rock and pop hits than anyone in history, and there's probably some truth to that. He even played bass on MJ's beat, and he did more than that. How about a top ten songs from uh, any artist that Luke played on? Well, I've got you taken care of here. Guys, you know what's ridiculous about this? Steve Lukather, even though he was in the height of his career with Toto, was so incredibly obsessed with music that basically he was a session artist for just about anybody. That includes Kenny Rogers, Joni Mitchell, Rod Stewart, Eric Clapton, did some work with Eddie Van Halen, Quincy Jones, Al Jarreau, won a Grammy with George Benson. It's ridiculous, man. I don't know if there's anybody out there that's got a better resume. And I've recently read that uh, Steve Lukather, multiple publications credited him as one of the top ten guitar players of all time. And the fact that he has been on so many hits and has worked so extensively with some of the biggest names in American music, I tend to agree. And there's going to be some songs on this list today that maybe you're not as familiar with. And there are going to be some other ones to be like, I had no clue that Steve Lukather played on that. And that's what great session musicians do. Lukather was incredible. And uh, after the first couple of Toto albums, he was kind of encouraged to write more material. He sang for a while. Singing's not really in his wheelhouse. But uh, we're going to celebrate Steve Lukather's non-Toto catalog today. And again, it's so expansive. We, guys, we could do a year's worth of shows just about the work that he's done. That's how accomplished he is as a musician. It's absolutely incredible. All right, number 10 one of the very first songs that Steve Lukather was credited on playing on. It's a teaser from Tommy Bolin. Now, you may not know the original that well. You may know Motley Crue's version. Because Motley uh, recorded that for the um, Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell album. There were a lot of uh, 80s artists that were asked to record a song based on addiction, like there was a member of a band that um, that passed away from alcoholism or addiction. They were trying to raise money for the Make a Difference Foundation. And Crew recorded Teaser, and it was Steve Lukather that came up with that great riff. And how cool is it to think Mick Mars, the legendary Mick Mars, who currently has the number one album in America. It's true. The Other Side of Mars, released in its entirety last week, beats out Ace Frehley's new album, which is pretty cool. I listened to that earlier this week. Uh, and in addition to that, too, it beats out uh, Kanye West. And that's a major accomplishment. Mick Mars, a guy, you know, the day, a lot of people thought he was on a trash heap of music, and here he is with the number one album. But think about Mick Mars playing Steve Lukather's riffs on Teaser. Super cool. All right, number nine, we mentioned Cher earlier. Uh, Steve Lukather worked with Cher on multiple albums as part of her comeback. Great track that maybe gets lost a little bit. You know, if I could turn back time and just like Jesse James, we talked about them recently. Great song written by Michael Bolton and then composed by Steve Lukather and performed by Cher. It's I Found Someone, which was a huge hit for her. Number eight, a guy that had bulletproof hair, man. You know, back in the 80s, everybody had big hair. I got long hair now. I had big hair back then. Everybody had big hair. Nobody had bigger hair than Richard Marks. Nobody. Looking back in hindsight, looked really silly. 
Back in those days, you're like, I kind of fit in. Nowadays, like, eh. But uh, give Richard Marks some credit. He's married to Daisy Fuentes from MTV, whose name is actually Daisy C. Fuentes. But it just sounds kind of silly to be Daisy C. Fuentes, right? So she changed her name for entertainment purposes and to make it easier for us to say Daisy Fuentes. But uh, Richard Marks, who a few years ago was trending on Twitter because he subdued an unruly passenger on a plane. When everybody saw he was trending, people thought he was dead. But no, Richard Marks, I liked Richard Marks, especially those first three albums. I thought it were great. But from Repeat Offender, guys, it's Steve Lukather that laid down that guitar. And it's incredible. On the great song Satisfied by Richard Marks. That's number eight today. A lot of people know, you know Richard Marks, of course, for uh, you know, not just the fact that he married Daisy Fuentes, but uh, you know, Right Here Waiting, that's the song everybody knows. I'm right here waiting for you. Very, very sweet and sentimental song. But uh, I like the, um, the Richard Marks songs that are uh, a little more up-tempo, and this is one of them. Number seven, we talked about this one recently. We had this on a previous top ten list. It's a duet between Kenny Loggins and Steve Perry from Journey. And even if it wasn't enough for you to say, you know what, I think I remember that one. I'm going to check it out. Guess Steve Luke with their laid the track down for Don't Fight It. How about that? Number six, another one that we've had on the show here recently when we talked about uh, Prince songs recorded by other people that became hits. It's I Feel For You from Shaka Khan, a Prince original also, featuring Steve Luke with their own guitar. Number five, Probably one of the best one-hit wonders of the 80s. It's She's a Beauty by The Tubes. There were a long, for a long time, people didn't know who The Tubes were. Uh, video comes out, it's great. But they were a bit of a one-hit wonder. They had a couple other songs and got a bit of a following out there. But uh, really, the signature song for The Tubes is She's a Beauty, and it's written by Steve Lukather. All right, number four. We talk about how diverse Steve's, uh, you know, repertoire is in many respects another number one an album that went to number one and a song that went to number one it's steve luke that they're playing on uh, let's get physical by olivia newton john i bet you didn't expect to read that today it's true it's true and god rest her soul she was america's sweetheart though she was from australia you know she was uh, obviously sandy in greece number three when Michael McDonald went solo and left the Doobie Brothers, he had a huge hit that um, has been sampled by many artists. Of course, um, you know, a, lot, a lot of people in R&B have used this, but um, it's the great track I keep forgetting. You know, we're not in love anymore. And it's Steve Lukather, again, laying down the track. And again, it, it just goes to show the versatility of his talents. This guy can write great stuff for Toto. He could do some R&B stuff. He could do some true rock and roll stuff. He could do some pop music stuff. And all of it sounds a little bit different, but it's all got that same technical application all the way through. He is the guitar player's guitar player. No doubt about it. Number two, it's a stand back from Stevie Nicks. He played guitar on the entire album. He was a session musician, but man, and all of a sudden they found out later, you know, hey, this guy's really good. And the fact that he's working with Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac says a lot, too. It shows what kind of demand that Lukather was in. There were times he said he did multiple sessions a day. Now he does maybe four or five a year. 
A lot's changed. Computers have changed music. Now, you don't have to be quite as talented anymore. But Luke, there's still a giant among giants. But number one for us is we're going to go and beat it. Everybody talks about Eddie Van Halen playing a solo on that. And it was the first take, too. And Eddie, obviously a virtuoso. But the signature part of the song is that incredible riff. And that was written by Steve Lukather. How about that? And it was through that work that uh, Lukather and Van Halen kind of became collaborators in some other ventures. And uh, if you go listen to For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, Lukather is a, uh, it was a previously uncredited musician in the liner notes. He has since been credited and also did some backing vocals on a couple tracks on Van Halen's For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Uh, so there you go. So uh, Play Baller DC, I hope we did you, your list justice. But guys, with 1,500 credits plus, we could go on and on and on and on and on about this. But this is just a sample of the great work that Steve Lukather has done. Uh, I love Toto too. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I have been absolutely in love with the same woman since 1992. I have been. And there have been good days and bad days like there are in every relationship, right? And you guys know it's well documented. When she was in New Mexico, I had this big epiphany in my life that without her, uh, I don't have the joy in life. But uh, but I'll be honest with you. When I hear that song, I'll Be Over You from Toto, even though I have not been heartbroken in decades, when I hear that song, it elicits some emotion from me. And that's what great songs do. Great songs, whether you're in the middle of something or not, there's always a song that matches every mood. But there are just some songs that there is just such, dare I say, an anointing of sorts. There are some songs that just perfectly describe the human experience, and that's one of them. It's just absolutely, the harmonies on that are just haunting. You know that whole part where he says, uh, you know, as soon as my heart stops breaking. You know, I don't know if you know this too, Michael McDonald actually sang a little backing vocal on that track too. Again, the relationship with Lukather. But again, the musician's musician. If you don't know much about Steve Lukather, maybe all you know is Africa by Toto. You owe it to yourself to go back and listen. Guys, Hold the Line is like one of my favorites, man. I absolutely dig that track. I used to have Rosanna on 45, song that they wrote about Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, she was a babe. Still is. Still is. Timeless beauty in many respects. But uh, you owe it to yourself to dig into some Toto, man. We've done a Toto Top 10 on the show before. And even if it's just the hits, man, you, you're going to be turned on to one of the most talented guitar players to ever live. And it's incredible that even in this day and time, when we make so many mediocre people famous, that uh, people don't truly recognize the genius of Steve Lukather. And again, as uh, Playballer DC says, I mean, you know, this is a guy here that has uh, probably got more hits than anybody in history. And there's some truth to that. This guy has played on some of the songs that, that made us who we are in many respects. So it was my honor to do this list. We appreciate the suggestion. We do solicit your suggestions. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. Uh, we'll do it because we want to celebrate your favorite music too. And sometimes people hit me up and guys, I can't do it, right? I mean, it's nothing against your music style, but I couldn't do your list justice. And so... Um, you know, Roy's helped me through some of that stuff. We get multiple requests sometimes for some country artists, and 
you know, I think we had a Taylor Swift thing, and then uh, Elsa did it. Roy's daughter Elsa did the Taylor Swift list, and then my girls completely rejected the list. And so you Swifties are a different group. Uh, but listen, I, I appreciate your passion for music. Uh, best way to get us your idea is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. And our great lists are also found Dogmatic67 on Spotify. You can hit me up on all, all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. I don't always get my notifications, and that's not a humble brag. I'm just telling you, if I don't respond, I don't take it personally. The best bet is to hit up Roy, who kind of lives for this stuff, man. I mean, it's like, I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Roy told in obscurity for many years with his regular job, but did not have the notoriety that he has today because of the top 10 list. You know, there are people that stop and ask Roy for a picture. Oh, this is the Roy guy? This is him? Yeah, that's Roy's a big part of our show. And so I'm just glad that Roy has been able to, uh, to achieve some level of notoriety for just being a good dude and, uh, and helping us out, putting these great lists on, uh, on Spotify. Again, thank you so much for the suggestions. Uh, we certainly appreciate them. And a thanks, as always, to, uh, to Blair Chandler for taking care of us, too. All right, time uh, to, for the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You should, too. I think uh, Campus Bookmart is one of those things that uh, if you don't know who they are, I wonder how many times you've been to Starkville. Because every time I walk around town on game weekends, I see people with a bag full of gear from Campus Bookmart. And rightfully so. The best Mississippi State merch available anywhere is a Campus Bookmart. Uh, be sure and go check them out next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And I get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk a little bit about this baseball game from last night, and then we're going to kind of transition into our preview for uh, Mount St. Mary's. That uh, that series begins tomorrow, and we're going to play those games in the afternoon on Thursday and Friday. I know some people are upset about that, but uh, basically the series got moved up due to some travel concerns. I haven't officially confirmed this, but I was told part of the issue is about the timing of the charter. Like the, the company they use to charter their flights here, Already had stuff planned for Friday, Sunday. They're dropping a team off Friday, picking them up on Sunday. And so in order to make this work, we had to move the series up so they could fly in and play Thursday and then fly back out on Saturday, and everybody could be on schedule. So it is a bit of an inconvenience for our fans. It's true, but that's the thinking behind it. It's not, well, hey, we just want to play these games early and get them over. It's just there were some travel considerations for Mount St. Mary's and so we had to kind of adjust on the fly there. So that's why we're beginning this series on Thursday. It's got nothing to do with TV. It's got to do with travel for them. All right, let's look back at uh, last night's game. You guys know we got down 5 nothing in the game. And uh, Eichelberger, my goodness, man. When I wrote my preview for Tuesday's game, I was like, is this right? This kid is the third leading hitter in the country at Jackson State. And it was true. Well, after last night's action, he's now number one. He's hitting 690. 690, 10 games into the season. Now, that'll come down a little bit. But I'll tell you this, after watching that kid swing it last night, I just wonder how in the world did this guy get to Jackson State? All due respect to that whole group down there, Omar and the whole group. But I know he played at a lower-level junior college, 
But our scouts, our MLB scouts, those guys are so prolific. I just wonder how this guy is just flying under the radar. And he shows up last night. I'm thinking, okay, this will be a real test. I mean, yes, it's midweek pitching, but it's SEC pitching. Because he's got kind of gotten fat, you know, playing, um, you know, some lower D1 programs. And I thought, well, no, no, this guy is legit. And that, that tank that he hit his first of the year, I thought that thing was going to hit the lofts, man. But that put him up to nothing. And, uh, you know, Kobe Holcomb just didn't have it last night, guys. He, he didn't. And we need him to find it. We need him to be good. We're going to need him down the stretch in SEC games. We're going to need him. But, again, last night, walks were an issue. You bring in Nolan Stevens, it gives up a couple of hits, and then that closes the book. I mean, it's 5 nothing Jackson State. I didn't get on the message board or really get on social media. When I'm covering a game, it's tough to do that because I, you know, I chart every pitch. It's a play-by-play article that I do. And so, like, if you're ever away from the game or you, you couldn't watch a game, and you just kind of want to see how we got to where we were, it's a little more detailed than following live stats. Yeah, I kind of give you a little more insight there. So I can't get out there, but I, I was glad that I wasn't able to really participate on social media when we're down five. Not that, now, granted, we came back to win this game, but in that moment, I'm sitting there thinking, this absolutely sucks. The Jackson State's got a better team than they've had in recent years, but we should never be in this situation. We played Jackson State, what, what, 63 times now? They've beaten us eight times, but it's been forever. People forget, man, you know, we, that 2014 regional, Louisiana Lafayette, they went down there as a four seed and beat number one. We were in a winner's bracket game. We won our first game in the beach Jackson State, and all of a sudden, we're, hey, we're just kind of ready to cruise on into a super regional with Ole Miss. It didn't work out that way. But Jackson State and Southern University have kind of been the class of the SWAC, and so every so often they put it together. But eventually, talent shows up. Like we talked about with Kentucky and Mississippi State. I mean, the talent disparity between us and Jackson State in baseball is much greater than it is in basketball for Kentucky and Mississippi State. But, guys, we're down 5 nothing. I'm thinking to myself, do I need to start getting a hot board together? Do I need to start thinking about, you know, hey, it hasn't been the best of starts for us, and, yes, we've had some injuries, but we got just about everybody back now, and we should never be struggling with Jackson State, ever. That's how I felt. And all of a sudden, we got going here, right? In the third inning, State explodes and scores 13 innings. I'm not going to take 13 runs. I'm not going to take you the whole way through it. Somebody asked me on the board today, said, uh, is 13 runs in an inning a school record? And the truth of the matter is I don't know. I did some research and went through, I don't know, about 30 years, and uh, we've scored 11 in an inning several times. But I haven't been able to find one. Somebody gave me a tip, and so they thought we did a dozen or more against North Alabama. I just hadn't had time. That's one of the reasons I'm a little bit later doing the show, is I did some research on that because I wanted to be able to tell you that we set a school record. And uh, unfortunately, nobody can confirm that. But 13 runs in an inning, and how many times in life do you even score more than 13 runs in a game? But score 13 in an inning. We had some help from them too. But uh, that allowed us to really kind of put the game away. And you knew then we're probably going to be looking at an abbreviated ball game. We were late getting started. Uh, because of the fact that uh, Jackson State went off and left their jerseys. And so we had to push the start time back from 3 to 325. So that really pushed us up against it with basketball. And uh, we, we missed most of that first half of basketball because we had a game to cover and then we had to uh, go to postgame. Thankfully, Justin Frommer was there for us and did some amazing content for us last night. You can watch that free. Read it free over jeanspage.com. But it's 13 to 5 if we get to the fourth. Nothing going for your team. And then in the fifth – 
Bradley Lofton makes his long-awaited season debut, and he is a great pitcher for us. Finally starting to get him healthy, and what does he do? He gives up a solo home run, but from there, it was really nothing. It was really nothing. And and Dakota Jordan nearly robbed it, and he said in postgame that he should have robbed it. He joked that Colton Ludbetter would have caught that ball. <laughs> um, but State comes right back, and you put two up, and then it's a matter of I, I, I turn to some of the guys on the beat. I'm like, guys, it's 15-6 to six right now. Just give me a two-run shot somewhere, and let's get on out of here. State gets four in the sixth, and then uh, Logan Forsythe comes out and was outstanding in the seventh, and uh, really, 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 really located well, and uh, got three punchies. And uh, so State ends the game 19 runs on 14 hits, six runs on seven hits. Uh, I, one of the things that I want to say too, guys, you know, I coached high school baseball for a while, as you guys know. And uh, before that, I coach youth baseball. I have a lot of respect for umpires, a tremendous amount of respect for umpires because, number one, they know the game better than all of us do. It's true. Now, there's some coaches that have been around forever and a day uh, that could probably argue, you know, and do a good job in that respect. But the reality of it is, is that most of the guys that are umpiring ball games, contrary to what fans want to believe, they want to get it right. Now, I've had some bad umpires in my career. But by and large, the majority of guys have been great. And maybe the performance hadn't always been great, but their attitudes have been great. Their communications have been great. Guys want to get it right. We had a play last night that basically ended that 13-run inning, or we'd still be, we, we would be assured of a school record. <laughs> it's a double play, right? We get doubled off. There's a sinking line drive to center that they, they trapped, okay? They reviewed it and said he didn't. Here is my issue. It's not the review and it's not the call. It's the timing of the call. We've got a runner at first that's running in the second. And you see the center fielder barreling in there, laying out, trying to make a catch. And then nobody makes a call. That's my problem. Nobody makes a call. So then the runner is hung up. He doesn't know what to do. So then they get it in. Finally, the first base coach, the first base umpire, who I believe was a crew chief, because he's the one that communicated with the, uh, through the PA. He finally makes a call, but the second base umpire did nothing. That is inexcusable. And listen, I get it. We're all human. But you can't get caught up watching the game when you're supposed to be officiating the game. And you knew when they went to review it, they weren't going to overturn it. They should have. And the fact that he came back, I don't know what Lamona said when he went out and challenged the play, but there was some smugness in the call when they came back. And the call was confirmed. Guys, listen, I got to wear glasses. And uh, my sunglasses are prescription glasses, too. He trapped the ball. And uh, I haven't found anybody yet other than that umpire that believes he made the catch. But my thing about every bit of that is it, it cost us an out because the second base umpire didn't do his job. Period. And so, officials out there, I love you or I respect you. I may disagree with you at times, but I still have a tremendous amount of respect for the job that you do to facilitate a game. It is a thankless job to be involved in officiating, especially with umpire in baseball, because we all played baseball. So we all think we know the game. Even the moms think they know the game. And because the game is so conversational, and a lot of times, too, everybody's right close, right, to the plate, and you make a bad call, you got to hear about it. You do. you gotta, you got to hear about it. And so it's tough. I would venture to say that being a home plate umpire 
is probably the most difficult job officiating in all the sports. That's my opinion. And it's not just because of the fact that you got to know all the rules and you got to call all the balls and strikes, but you got to listen to all the nonsense. I get it. But when we have a play like this, and again, we're going to put it behind us and kind of move on here, but I can't have an official out there not make a call. That's the whole reason that you're out there. You're not there for the free Gatorade and you just go watch a ball game. You got to officiate the rules of the game. And if you don't know, Make a call, even if it's the wrong call, and we'll go to review and we can get it right. And you can even say, I mean, there can be a boot or an official originated review. You know, you can call him safe, and then you go go to the go to the crew chief and say, you know what, guys, I think I may have blown this one, and we can get it right. But to not make a call is inexcusable, absolutely inexcusable. As you guys know, State goes on to win this game, nineteen to six. It goes six and a half. We'll look inside the numbers here real quick. Uh, I mentioned Joseph Eichelberger. He goes two for three with four RBI and uh, the one strikeout. And I I thought that was a really good at bat for Lofton. He really, really looked good. And that guy's a pro hitter. But uh, they get seven hits in the ballgame, six runs. And, uh, of course, some of those courtesy early on of some some walks. But uh, Amani Larry, two for three last night with two walks. And you got to love it, man, no matter the the circumstances, the level of competition – when your leadoff guy is getting on base four times in a ball game, that's really good for your offense. And then there's Dave Mershon. Dave goes one for three last night, but four RBI and scored three runs, also with two walks. Dakota Jordan goes three for three, five RBI, two walks, and has the big fly too. So you look at one, two, and three right there. Goodness gracious, guys. I mean, you begin to break that down. Guys, that's ten runs from the top three hitters in your order. Hunter Hines goes three for four with four RBI. That dog will hunt too, right? Bryce Chance, kind of an off night for him, but he still pushes a run in for us. He goes 0 for three, uh, gets on on a bases loaded walk. Uh, Logan Kohler, we talked to him last night. I'll have a feature with him Thursday, but it's one for five for him. A couple of RBIs and a run scored for him. Connor Heisack goes 0 for one, but also gets on with a pair of hit by pitches and a walk and comes around to score twice. Steven Spilletta finally got his opportunity to, uh, to swing in a college game. Uh, he goes 0 for 1 with a strikeout. Joe Powell, uh, you know, the star of uh, you know, Sunday morning's feature, talking about salvation and second chances, Joe Powell 2 for 4 last night. Dylan Cup 2 for 4 last night. So it's a total team deal. And, and my thing is, and the first thing, and there's some people out there, obviously, that um, you know, are already folded up their tents, taking their ball and going home. Here's the thing. I don't care who you play. When you're getting that type of offensive production, a lot of times it's a mental thing. Like, hey, we scored 10 runs on Sunday. And we had 15 hits. And then we scored 19 today, we have 14 hits. So 29 runs on 29 hits the last two ballgames. Hitting is contagious. And I also think getting Marshawn and Logan Kohler back as we discussed during their absence, is significant for this team. It adds some depth to the lineup. It lessens the pressure because you're a lot more likely to go up there and just let the game come to you rather than go out there and force the action and swing at a bad pitch because you've got confidence in the guy behind you. The more hitters you have in your nine, the less pressure you have on everybody else. Guys don't go up there looking to do too much. 
And so, yes, I understand it's Jackson State. I also understand it's probably one of the better teams Jackson State's had in recent years, but that shouldn't matter. But we got to win, and it was difficult early on. And I felt like all of you too. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't. A lot of anxious moments. I'm th- I start thinking to myself, even if we win this game 7-5, to five, it's going to feel like a loss. But I'm happy to see us go out there and get some things done. The pitching wasn't elite by any stretch of the imagination. I saw when Tyshawn Patty came in, and if you know him, I'm not being disrespectful to him. But when I saw him come into the game, I was watching a woman in the bullpen. As soon as he came in the game, I turned to staff from the Clarion Ledger and a couple other guys, and I said, this kid is fixing to get crushed. And you could just see it. And he doesn't record an out, gives up two hits, four runs. All of them earned, you know, just kind of part of the deal. You just kind of felt it. This guy wasn't going to be able to get outs. And State really hit everybody they threw out there. You know, it didn't matter who was. I thought Shamar Harris may have been the best pitcher that Jackson State put out there, and he was the first baseman. Uh, but Giandrick Lawrence was their starter, also a native of Curacao. Makes me wonder if he and Gerangelo don't know each other because it's not a big island, and you got to think you know, the ages are similar in the baseball community. It's probably not very large. So that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, you know, State kind of getting it done. Colby Holcomb, again, one in the third inning, uh, three hits, five runs, two walks, two strikeouts, and you go pull him. After that, it's four hits the rest of the game. It's four hits, nine strikeouts the rest of the game. And we didn't walk anybody. And so, and I'm not being disrespectful to Colby, but last night's issues on the pitching side weren't really a Mississippi State issue more so than they were a Colby issue. But we have got to get him going, guys. He had a tough outing against Air Force. So what do you do? You bump him to the midweek to let him get some work against live hitting. I know some of you guys are just ready to give up on kids. But I'm going to tell you like I told my kids when I coached high school ball. That kid right now that you don't want anything to do with, late in the year we're going to need that guy to make a play for us. And you don't want his action to just be then. You don't want a guy sitting around moping saying, I'm never going to get in the game. you got to get him some work. Colby Holcomb has a lot of ability. He showed some real flashes last year. He had some really nice outings. He just has to find some consistency. And I think Justin Parker is going to do a great job. And he has done a great job. That's important to understand. Uh, but the Diamond Dogs win the ball game now 5-4 and four on the year. Really interesting thing that just kind of hit my mind here is, is we're just kind of sitting here chewing the fat between us. We talk about the job that uh, Justin Parker has done. And you look at the record and say, you know what, Steve? You know, we're 5-4. and four. We should be better than that. I absolutely agree. You know, we've had some games that the bats have kind of abandoned us. And that's why my hope is these last couple ball games we'll be able to put the ball in the bat a little bit. Maybe that carries over. And then all of a sudden you, you have a good weekend this weekend and perhaps uh, it carries forth again. It's important to understand. Baseball is really a game of momentum. And it's so funny, too. And I used to joke about this when, when I coached high school ball. The collective psyche of a baseball team is interesting to watch because it seems like things just kind of fall apart all at once, right? It's like you have a guy out there, and it's like all of a sudden we drop a pop-up on the infield, and it's like everybody forgets how to play baseball. Are you aware of this phenomenon? If you coach youth sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, let's look at pitching numbers here. Guys, through nine games, Mississippi State has struck out 107 hitters. Now, 
In all but two of those games, we've had double-digit strikeouts. In the two we haven't, we had nine. That's ridiculous, guys. That is ridiculous. You can say, but Steve, it's the competition we're playing. Guys, if you went and looked at Austin Peay's offensive numbers, I'm not going to sit here and defend that loss, but they're clearly a better team than we expected them to be. But 107 punch-outs, they're nine games. An interesting note that I dug up today in today's feature when I interviewed Dakota Jordan uh, yesterday, post-game, um, was defense. So this time last year, we had made 16 errors through nine games. We've made six so far. In the 10th game of last year, we made four errors, which was a season high. So we had 20 errors through 10 games. We're going to need 14 tomorrow to match that. So pitching is getting better. Defense is getting better. And this is an offense, obviously, that has some weapons, and now you're getting some guys back. And so you feel like, and it's just a small sample size with two games of having Kohler and Mershon both in the lineup, you feel like maybe Hidden's getting better too. So you hope that we're on the uptick. That's the case. You hope that's the case. And uh, I'm excited to kind of see how we do this weekend. Now let's kind of look to the weekend here, and we'll talk a little bit about Mount St. Mary's. We'll talk about some women's basketball before we get out of here. I thought I had this tab pulled up. I apologize. I apologize. That's one good thing I love about Google is that if you've already been there, they'll bring you back. All right, Mount St. Mary's, the Mount, as they call themselves, they're the Mountaineers. They're one and six on the season. They lost five games in a row. Uh, they opened up with a series at Norfolk State. They're there in Virginia Beach, or it's in Norfolk, Virginia which is a suburb of Virginia Beach. If you've ever been to Virginia Beach, you know it's a great place. So the Mount uh, loses two out of three. They do get a 14-4 win in the middle game of that series. And it's been kind of slim pickings ever since. Uh, Maryland gets them in a midweek game 14-3. Last weekend, they played a three-game set with Richmond. 8-2, 7-6, 9-8 games. So a couple of those games pulled down to one run. They collapsed there in the Sunday game, cost them a chance to salvage a game on the weekend. But uh, they're not winning many games. So they're going to come down here obviously uh, looking for a win. I think there's a, probably a, a part of them thinking we're ready to get into league play. Look at the numbers here among the regulars. There are three players that are hitting 300 or better uh, among the regulars. Uh, I think that's J.T. Landwer. L-A-N-D-W-E-H-R, Landwer. He's hitting an even 300, uh, 20 at-bats, six hits on the year, scored five runs. Uh, Aiden Tierney, or Tierney. I don't know why everybody just can't be a Smith or a Jones. But anyway, uh, 310. Uh, seven games started for him, 29 at-bats. He's got nine hits on the year, 11 RBI. He is their top run producer. And then there's Tyler Long hitting 323. He leads the team with 10 hits. Now, this is a team, too, that has really struggled with power numbers. They've only hit three home runs uh, as a team. Dakota Jordan has three himself. Not that the state's been you know, just knocking the ball around the ballpark, too. Our power numbers aren't exactly what we had hoped they'd be, and, and we've had actually better weather than we usually have this time of year. But just three home runs for them. And not a ton of extra base hits. Not a ton. Uh, Ten doubles for them on the year and the one triple. 38 RBI as a team, and uh, again, that kind of lends itself to losing baseball. As a team, they're hitting 233. They will get out and try to run the bases, but they have not been very successful. 22 stolen base attempts 
13 have been successful. And uh, that's one of the things that uh, Lamona said. He didn't know a lot about him, but he knows he liked to get out and run a little bit. So that'll be a challenge, too. We've been really good defensively. And, and again, something I noted in today's column, last year we had 21 pass balls. So far this year we've had zero. Zero. Looking at pitching numbers, and it's difficult at this point to kind of figure out who's going to start and who's not. Okay? That's kind of where we are. But um, Jeff Davis has had three starts on the year. And uh, looking at Jeff's numbers here, he is a sophomore from Bethesda, Maryland, from St. Albans High School. He threw uh, basically some relief stuff here for them, but uh, that's a guy that we expect to see. They have thrown him in just about every big situation in some respects, so we'll see him. Uh, Brendan Yagish, and maybe we'll get this drilled down later. <clears throat> Brendan Yagish, uh, two appearances, two starts, taking the one loss, allowed six hits. He's only gone eight innings. They don't have anybody that's really eating up innings here. And Brendan, uh, batting average against is 200. Seven strikeouts against one walk. Kyle Spees, another guy that's got a starter in his belt. Eight punches to four walks. Batting average against is 188. But collectively as a team, it's an ERA of 748. And the batting average against, as we mentioned, uh, it's you know, 272. And their team has given up nine long balls this year. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what the weather does this weekend. A lot of people have already asked on the message board or on social media, will State consider pushing the game for a doubleheader this weekend? They will typically make that decision after game one. And so once we get through that game one, we'll probably have an idea. You know, we'll, we'll see how things go. But uh, no decision yet. And uh, we do expect some extensive rain on Friday. Going to be some cooler temperatures on Thursday and Friday with it heating up again in a weekend. So do we end up with a Saturday doubleheader? I don't know. But we have a meteorology department here that is second to none. And so if there is a window to play on Friday, we'll play Friday. And if not, we'll play two on Saturday. And so we'll see how things go. But, again, this is a team. Guys, of the thir- of the non-conference opponents that we have played on a weekend to date, this is the one that is the worst one. This is it. This is a team, obviously, that we've got to go out here and sweep. We've got to go stack wins. We absolutely have to go stack wins. This is a team that has not been very good offensively. This is a team on the pitching side of it that has been, been competitive at times. And really the, team, the strength of this team has really been in their bullpen. I mean, you look at the starting numbers, they're basically just kind of opening numbers. You know, Tommy Moore is a guy that's got two starts for them, but, you know, he's only worked six innings. Two starts, six innings. So it's kind of like, hey, can you go out there and get me through the order once and we'll turn it over to bullpen? Uh, Tommy Moore with an ERA of 9.95. He is a grad student, right-handed pitcher, 6'3", 260. Uh, Had to start against Norfolk State. Eight strikeouts, no walks. And then he goes against Richmond and doesn't get out of the second. You know, and so, again – this is going to be one of those teams going to kind of do it by committee. You don't expect any of these guys to work deep in ball games. Uh, the guys that have worked the most are averaging four innings apiece per game. So as far as like somebody lining up and, you know, you know, pulling a complete game, you know, out of their hindquarters, you don't expect that. We do – they do got a couple lefties that are in the mix of the pins we start this weekend – and I think we've seen enough soft tossing lefties. I, I want to see some velo. 
But uh, yeah, so this is a team. But no matter how we spell this thing out, work through the statistics and all this kind of stuff, this is a team that Mississippi State has to go smash. We got to go win all three of these games. I don't need style points, but I don't want one run victories. I mean, if we go out there and beat them six six to one, you know, eight to three, whatever, that's fine. But we got to go out here and win these games without a lot of anxiety. That's what needs to happen. Uh, look at Philly numbers too, guys. The teams they played have not been good defensively. Their opponents, they're one and six now, and their their teams that have played their opponents have committed twenty errors. And so you begin to ask yourself when you start working through these numbers, how many earned runs did they score? You know, how much of that was an extended inning because of the fact that um, the teams they played couldn't field the baseball? That's always an important aspect of it kind of look inside the numbers here but yeah again this is a by committee approach thing they'll have an opener they'll bring in a middle relief guy and then they'll make a decision on the back end is it a mop-up guy is it a closer type guy but they don't appear to have a ton of talent as a one in six record and these box scores would truly indicate uh, but we're looking forward to a, a baseball week we need a four and a week we got one now let's go get three more and I, I feel like this team obviously is starting to have a little more fun you know, I talked to some people. It's amazing. There's a lot of people out there that have sources or claim to. And uh, they call me and say, well, I've heard this and heard that. What have you heard? And I said, well, if you think you got to go on good authority, why are you calling me? Well, I just need you to confirm it. I said, well, why do, I, why do I need to confirm it? If you're telling me what's about to happen or what information you have or what's going on in the clubhouse, why, why do you need me to tell you it's true? Maybe your source isn't quite as good as you think. You know, I can tell you this is a this is a tight group. There's never a coach-player relationship. It's always perfect. I don't care who you are or where you're from. When they go in there and say, hey, we need to tinker with a swing a little bit, we need to change our approach a little bit, there are going to be guys at times that are going to be resistant to that. They're going to be a little bit hesitant to jump on board because this is the way I've always done it. This is what got me here. We're trying to make you a more complete player. And so it's important to understand that aspect of it. So anytime that you hear, well, so-and-so got their feelings hurt or so-and-so's mad because of this, guys, that's coaching. That's coaching. It's not a political poll. We're not going to conduct an opinion poll. We're not going to sit the family down and say, hey, what do you guys think? No, no, no. Once you're here, we're going to do what we can to fine-tune the skills to make you the best player possible within our system. Simple as that. And so I say that not because there's any drama out there unfolding but it's always so funny like i never hear from these people when we're winning it's amazing how that works and all of a sudden well i've heard this and i've heard that why weren't you hearing it when we're winning you know and so i just encourage you let's go win some games this weekend and the noise kind of quiets down all right final segment of the show brought to you by the stark vegas clubhouse if you're looking to bring a big group to starkville Look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse and several things will pop up. First of all, their Facebook page. And you can peruse the pictures of this fine facility that is available for you. Whether you're, I don't know, maybe you're going to just get all the girls together. Maybe all the guys together. And we're just going to sit around and enjoy some adult beverages in the company of each other. Take in some Mississippi State sporting events. It's just five minutes away from the Mississippi State campus. Very easy to get to. But it's kind of tucked away where you get a little privacy. It's true. Uh, so whether you come in midweek, bring in a work group, rather than go out there and rent five hotel rooms and everybody's scattered, 
Then you got to go gather in that hotel lounge. There's always that guy interloping on your conversation. You can't have privacy. Guys, have some intimacy in many respects, right? Just have your group together in one facility. Five bedrooms, two baths, that great back porch area, the fire pit area. It's amazing. So when you Google, it's going to give you the option to book through Airbnb or VRBO. If that's the route you choose to go, perfectly fine with me. However, if you want to save some money, and I always do, book through the Evolve website. Use promo code BSR10 to get 10% off your stay. That's the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right, women's basketball back on the court tomorrow night on the road at Auburn. If you're in the greater Auburn area or Montgomery, please go by and be a part of this. Uh, the Bulldogs looking to snap a four-game losing streak. Not a position we expected to be in, but yet here we are. And so let's kind of figure this thing out. Find a way to have a 2-0 week, right? Let's just go ahead and knock this out and then uh, have senior day this weekend. But uh, it's senior night at Auburn. That's tomorrow night, Thursday, 7 p.m. tip. We have uh, you know, not had a lot of interaction with them, but 17 and 10 overall, 6 and 8 in the conference. They're clearly getting better. And they've been 13 and 3 at home. So it's not going to be a walk in the park for us. We're going to have to show up and play well. Your defending natural champion, LSU Tigers, went in there and lost. Uh, but when you begin to run it down here, this Auburn team, you know, they get off to a great start at a non conference. They lose to Cal by just six points, you know, Power 5 competition. Then they go down to Central Florida and lose down there. But then they get, going, get it going again. Big win for them early on against Clemson. Not a great Clemson team, but Auburn beats them by 30. That's still a Power 5 opponent. And, again, a nice little winning streak here and to get ready to close out non-conference. And then they open up the SEC play at home against Tennessee. And you know what Tennessee is and has been historically? And this year they're a good team again. They're not nationally known, I guess, at this point for this particular season. But uh, they only won by eight at Auburn. Auburn then heads down to A&M, lose by 22 to A&M. That's a place where Mississippi State went one. And then Johnny Harris takes the Lady Tigers to Oxford, Mississippi, and they come up just three points shy of forcing overtime in that game, lose just 58-55. And they come home and they beat LSU 67-62. So they've been up and down. And that's truly kind of indicative of the season they've had. I mean, then you go to Vandy and lose by three. Again, it's a close game. They lose there, though. And then they beat Alabama in the rivalry game there by 13. They get Georgia. You feel like they're back on track. Well, then South Carolina comes up on the schedule, right? Again, you can't judge any program based on how they played against the South Carolina machine. Don Staley has it rolling up there for sure. They get drilled by 22. And then they go on the road and they lose, again, another close game. Two points at Arkansas. They bounce back to beat Missouri 70-59. to They get Kentucky and just absolutely drill them 78-50. to That's a Kentucky team that came to Humphrey Coliseum and beat us. They go to Tuscaloosa and, again, lose a close game by six. They went to Baton Rouge, a team that beat them. And you know that Kim Mulkey had that game circled on the calendar, right? So you know what? Hey, they beat us. We're going to embarrass them. But LSU couldn't do it. LSU wins by five. Auburn in the game late. Just couldn't get enough stops to finish. And then A&M comes to Auburn. They beat them 57-41. So we're going to have to bring a great effort. We're not going to be able to just show up over there and say, oh, well, this is it. No, we're going to have to go out there and play. There's a very real possibility this one-year streak extends by a game and goes to five. 
you certainly hope that's not the case. We need to be able to win, and I don't know if they can really match up with Jessica Carter. When Jessica Carter gets motivated and really plays well, we're difficult to beat. But at times this year, athletically, we have not always matched up. And I think that's to do with Kentucky. I think Kentucky may be a tad more athletic than us. I think that's why those games have been so competitive. But you look inside the numbers here for Auburn. You know, guys, you know, outscoring teams by nine points a game, and you said, but Steve, the non-conference, they had those blowouts. But again, it's indicative of how this season has gone for them. Auburn has avoided really the embarrassing loss with rare exception this year. And one of those, of course, comes against South Carolina. Rebounding, not really a strength for them. You know, it's basically kind of a mox Knicks type deal. It's like a point four plus for Auburn. They got 1,003 rebounds. They've allowed 991. That's where Jessica Carter's got to be able to make some things happen for us. They do share the basketball pretty well. 12.5 assists per ball game, allowing just nine. Uh, turnovers have been an issue, though. And this is where Ja'Kayla Jordan, I think, can be a difference maker for us. They've turned it over 21.6 times. We need Miracle Shepherd to be big for us. They're not forcing a ton of turnovers either. Right? Just over 13 there. As far as steals go, 289 for them, 198 for their opponents. 102 blocks, they've allowed 93. So, you know, again, you look at the numbers here and you say, hey, they're improving as a team, but you never look at anything and says, hey, this really stands out here. This is how you – if you can beat this strength, you got a chance to beat them. Honesty, Scott Grayson. I don't know that I've ever known anybody named Honesty, but here we go. And what a great virtue to have. But Honesty, Scott Grayson – it's really been good for, for Auburn. 17.8 points a game. The only player on the roster that's averaging double-digit figures. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young, former Bulldog, 9.4 points a game. And you know this will be a big one for her. She's got 19 starts here, appeared in 24 games, did miss a little bit of time earlier this year. But, uh, you know, she was a good player for Mississippi State and uh, followed Johnny Harris over there and, uh, has had a good career. Taylor Collins averaging 8.3. Sidney Shaw, uh, 6.3. Three-point shooting has been a bit of an adventure for them. They're shooting 27%. Their opponent's uh, right at 29. But honesty, Scott Grayson and uh, Jemiah Mingo doing the heavy lifting. Sidney Shaw also has uh, made 30 three-point baskets in 93 attempts. But uh, McKenna Eddings, another one. She's a volume shooter herself, but she's only shooting about 26%. So they're going to go out there and stretch the floor and try to make you defend the perimeter. When they're hitting those shots, they're going to be tough to beat. When they're not, and that's where we got to get out and close out on shooters, maybe you make some things happen here. Free throw percentage for them, uh, just over 71%. If this turns into a tight game late, that could be very significant for us. But we're going to go out there and play. And, again, I think we all opened the year this year saying, you know what, Johnny Harris is probably coaching for a job. And I think you'd have to say at this point, maybe she's done enough to keep her job. I don't know how you could argue against it, 17-10. and 10, And they got a chance now uh, to finish out the regular season at 500. And then it's going to take a good effort to do so. But you win these last two ball games, you're 19-10, and 10, and then 500 in the league. You get Mississippi State at your place and you go to Florida. And Florida's been so Jekyll and Hyde, you never know what to expect with them. But this is a very, very athletic Auburn team. And uh, it's, I'm curious to see how this game is going to go and how desperate are we going to be to go get a victory. That's an important aspect of it. We've got to get out there and go make some things happen. Now, looking around the league on the women's side, 
It's, uh, it's always so interesting because, again, we had an opportunity to be in the top four. We felt like, hey, that's where we belonged. That's not where we are. Now, Mississippi State still in the top half of the conference right there, right there at number seven. Now, just a game behind us is Texas A&M and Auburn, and we've got a chance to play them both. And, of course, Missouri at the bottom. We already played A&M. Excuse me. I got confused. But Auburn, a game behind us right there with A&M, and then Missouri at 2-12. and 12. So you feel confident about Sunday's game. you got to put everything you got into this one. you got to go on the road, last true road game of the year, and the next thing you know, we're getting ready to play the, uh, the SEC uh, women's tournament. Wouldn't hurt us to win a game or two there. Hadn't seen a bracket, you know. Not, I haven't really looked at projections for the bracket yet. But uh, we're closing in. So a huge game for Mississippi State women's basketball. So a lot to think about, a lot to cheer about here in these next few days. Obviously, the women playing tomorrow night, baseball playing tomorrow night, and Friday night, maybe, Friday afternoon. We'll see how the rain goes. Maybe that pushes to Saturday. And, of course, yeah, another huge men's game. And the reason they're huge is because we're playing well. We're playing well. I don't think anybody really wants to see us in their pot. I think everybody sees it the same way you and I do. Mississippi State is capable of beating anybody on the men's side. Uh, if you had not done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com, and you can uh, pick up all of my books there. Well, all of my recovery book and my four sports titles. Uh, when the Bottom Falls will also host the, um, the Dude pre-orders. Dude, yeah. So When the Bottom Falls and then Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, Dogpile, and every Bulldog deserves a copy of Dogpile. No matter how you feel about baseball right now, there was a time we were the kings of college baseball. We documented that and chronicled it for future generations. You need to have that in your home, even if you don't read. It's a great gift idea, too, right? And Valentine's Day is behind us, but I don't know what you celebrate. You know, we've got all kind of good things coming up. St. Patrick's Day is coming. Cinco de Mayo is coming. Mother's Day, Father's Day. A lot of people would enjoy having those books. And uh, we look forward to having putting something else on your bookshelf here in the, uh, in the months to come. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. That's always a great gift idea as well. I have people that hit me up regularly and say, hey, hey, where can I get a Stark Villains hoodie? You talk about it on the show all the time, but now that I'm ready to buy one, I can't remember the website. It's StarkVillains.com. And you can get T-shirts and hoodies there in a variety of colors and styles. I encourage you to go do, a part, do, do that and be a part of marketing the brand for sure. Uh, and always come join us over at JeansPage.com. You can uh, join now for 30% off the annual subscription price. That's going to do it for today. Be back with you guys on Friday. We'll try to go earlier on Friday because we do have an afternoon baseball game uh, that afternoon. So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.